When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it. This podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. This episode, we jump straight back into the OptiWay series with... Bill Mitchell leading the way there and also followed on by Emily Perkins, getting some great reviews off the back of that just to see how different operations run, how ag tech and adjustment can work and it can improve your situation. Um, But at the moment, we'll be jumping up into the New England area again with Simon Wright and he'll be able to take it away, run you through another operation that's utilising the likes of OptiWay as a piece of ag tech to move these operations forwards they're a tool inside your toolbox. They're not revolutionising what you do on farm or changing how you do it all. They're just a part of the makeup to make it your efficiency that much better. Let's get into it. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast, Simon Wright. Beautiful to have you on the episode today. How are you going? Very good. Thanks, Jack. Thanks very much for having me. Um, looking forward to having a chat. Absolutely, and I love diving into the operations of farmers. Not the easiest people to get onto a podcast and lock them down, but it's great to have a run through what your operation is and what sort of innovation you're utilising and all a part of the OptiWay's series, collecting data and driving that for profitability. So amazing to have you on and your insights as a farmer as well. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, it's aside from a, a, a little glitch in our um, in technology today, where we, we couldn't hook up with each other at the right time. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, adopting technology and putting it to use in the right spots, places yeah. on the farm. And um, yeah, I think uh, it's exciting. I actually enjoy um, you know all these new 
uh, innovations that are coming out, new technologies. It's just an ever evolving, fast moving sort of little um, sector. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think for yourself and other farmers from a farming point of view that the early adopters have the earlier advantage um, for improving their profits, sustainability um, over the long term? Uh, mate, I think having that early adopting mindset is probably a good thing. But as far as actually employing specific technology, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily an advantage to be the first cab off the rank because quite often you're the guinea pig or there's, um, you know, there's a lot of, for people who will sit back um, and, and just wait and see, there's, there can be advantages like, um, you know, prices can come down, technology can improve through use and experience. Um, so, you know, I think there's, but I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of having that mindset of being an early adopter because I think ultimately um, you probably will be in front if you've got that mindset. Um, but as far as individual pieces of technology goes, I'm sort of just thinking at the moment of this whole um, sort of carbon farming um, flavour that's going on at the moment. We got involved in that early and I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing if people are sitting back waiting. Um, yeah. Price of getting involved in those projects is probably going to come back that, you know, they're going to tighten up the legislation around it all. It, it's probably not a bad thing to sit back and, and wait sometimes, but, um, you know, each to their own. Yeah, I think, there's early adopters, but there's also those sitting back and collecting the information so they can go full into it to what works for them in their own operation. Obviously, not every piece of hot buzzwords are going to work or new pieces of ag tech are going to work in every sort of farming scenario. So maybe sitting back and collecting the information. It's interesting for the carbon side of it, had a lot of requests to get more episodes onto it. Um, so people, farmers, are really wanting to see what the information is, um, and especially for those early adopters, they want to see maybe what their mistakes were initially um, and so they can learn from them as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I agree with you. I think uh, that to sit back and, and to analyse, particularly like where if you're going to make a significant investment in a carbon project or in a piece of technology, you definitely got to um, do the analysis and make sure it's going to be the right fit. You're going to get value for money and you're actually going to get um, a benefit from it. Yeah. Uh, for us on the carbon side of things, we we sort of thought, well, the, the carbon credits uh, are going to be a bonus to what we want to achieve anyway, and that's just farm productivity. We were going to undertake a whole heap of these activities regardless, and they sort of fit in with... Um, us, us sort of entering into a, a carbon project. So we just thought, well, we're going to do it anyway. Let's let's enter into a carbon project. There might be a bonus in it down the end. Yep. Beautiful. Well, it's great to have you on. Before we get cracking into it, down to agribusiness, Simon, we'll jump behind and see who you are and how you landed yourself in your role and what you've done to the re resources that you've relied on to get you where you are today um, and who Simon Wright is behind the audio. Yeah, okay, mate. Well, I'm a um, fifth-generation farmer on the, on the same farm uh, that, that, we're, that has been in the family for those five generations. So I've got um, three high school-age kids that are growing up. They're the sixth generation on our farm. 
Uh, we are on the eastern side of Gyra in the New England Tablelands, we're sort of considered a high rainfall area, I guess, um, relatively safe rainfall, although, you know, 2019 certainly challenged uh, that scenario. We, um, yeah, we're often the last ones into the drought, uh, which can mean that the markets always crash, but um, we're often also the first ones out of a drought, I guess, which can mean that you get opportunities. But um, yeah, so I've, uh, I grew up on this farm. I um, went to school locally. I then went away to university, did an agribusiness degree through Sydney Uni at Orange Ag College, which uh, no longer, I don't think no longer exists as a as a as an ag course. But um, following that, I then went away and sort of um, broadened my horizons for ten years or so, uh, with nothing to do with agriculture really, um, just getting a bit of life and business experience. Yep. And then came home uh, in my late twenties uh, back to this farm, and. Um, have have been here ever since started a family and all that sort of thing um, so, really, so i guess yeah sorry really, really seeing the changes come through up in the new england area there yes yeah mate yeah and i've relied um i've done a lot of post uh you know postgraduate training in whatever that happens to be relevant at the time um, through Armel Uni, through whatever courses are going on. I've sort of done the, the grazing for profit thing, uh, been involved in business benchmarking, um, all those sorts of things. And with the support of my parents at the time who have now stepped away from the farm, um, yeah, we've sort of managed to achieve a, a succession plan that hopefully uh, I've got a couple of siblings, a couple of off-farm siblings, and um, you know we've uh, yeah we seem to have negotiated all those pitfalls that everybody faces so far, uh, and hopefully everybody's happy with the outcomes. Oh, it's good to see that's like one of the biggest areas for farming farming families, especially is succession and how it can be a smooth process. So good to see you've got that underway and everything, um, and actually using your resources from uni to postgraduate, do you think you'd be where you are without those sort of maybe short courses and the longer form courses from Orange Ag? Uh, um, you know, all those little, all those little additional training, um, uh, I guess whatever additional training you can do that's relevant to whatever your enterprises are or your business is, I think they they're actually possibly I've had more value from them. The degree I did was was fantastic, and um, you know probably taught me a few things and provided me with a great network of friends and contacts. But um, the training I've done since, I reckon, has been possibly more valuable in that it's been specific to what I needed to know uh, in this business and what um, you know. So you can really you can really hone in on specific skills that you need to enhance within yourself or within your business. And um, yeah, so I, I would say that the, 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 the training that you do while, while you're on the job is, um, is possibly more, more important than the training that you, you know, that you get um, before yeah. you're looking for a job, really. Yeah, well, you can probably niche down. You want a bit broader when you're a bit younger. 
um, to see what sort of avenues are going to be best for you. And if you want to, for farmers, you probably have to do a little course for different areas of the farm, um, especially for mixed enterprise, especially. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with all that. You definitely need to, um, you know, get out there and, and uh, broaden your horizons when you're young and, and just be open to anything. Um, and the other, the other point to make on that, I guess, is to really utilise um, other people's expertise and to have have the right people around you or to, you know, um, you certainly can't be expected to be the, uh, an expert in everything. And so to, to get the right people to provide you advice at certain aspects of your business is, is crucial as well. Yeah, 100%. And there must be something up in the water in the New England area. It's probably generationally one of the oldest on farm, farms getting passed down, sixth generation for your children as well. That's a long time in your own hands. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know how they they sort of say you go break slowly up here, but um, we've been we've had our time in the sun the last couple of years, that's for sure. Um, so no, it's good. It's it's all good. I can't complain. Um, yeah, I think I hope that uh, we'll be able to just keep it in the family for the next generation if they're interested. No pressure, but you know, hopefully yeah, we'll be here for. Beautiful way to put it, no pressure or at all on it. But thanks no. for giving us a bit of a background to yourself and your connection to agriculture. And now we'll get down to some agribusiness. Tell us a little bit about your farming operation, how it works and what you've got on farm. Okay, mate. So we're predominantly, uh, we're, well, we're all cattle, beef cattle enterprise. Well, you did used to run some sheep, but we, um, we have a bit of a wild dog problem here and uh, coming out of national parks and things, which we sort of back onto. And so only the most passionate sheep producers have stayed in sheep in our district. Every, every, every farm's got a shearing shed on it, but um, there's only a couple that are still running sheep. And that's because I guess from our point of view, we got out of them in the, in the mid, um, in the first, you know, the 2005 or six, maybe something like that. Um, just because we were, yeah, we were just sick of fighting uh, the dogs and also eagles, wedgetail eagles, giving us a, a touch up. And we just weren't passionate enough about it. And we were passionate about cattle. And so we, um, we stuck with the cattle. So that's what we do, mate. We, um, we breed and trade. We're probably, I guess you'd say, a 60-40, 60% breeding, 40% trading. Um, prior to 2019 drought, we were probably more like a 75-25 breeding to trading. But we've had a bit of a uh, change in that, yeah, we just... Um, we want to have, I guess, that flexibility of being able to uh, decrease our numbers um, quicker, um, just be just be a bit more agile as far as that goes. And and while some of our trading is still breeding, yep. um, we're not the the cows aren't welded onto the place like they um, like they might have been prior to twenty nineteen. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, as I said, we're sort of, um, I guess, considered high rainfall in New England. We're 900 mil rain, so 36 inches, um, summer rainfall, excuse me. And um, we do pasture improvement. Uh, we 
sort of, as I've mentioned, have entered into this carbon project. So we're sort of um, trying to get our head around that and uh, just basically increase the productivity of the, of the land that we've got under management and, and get the most out of what we got before we try and expand our model, I guess. Yeah, I think in the past we have a lot of looking like that as well, looking to optimize their own land. Buying land's great, but also optimizing can reap the benefits at the end of it as well. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And look, throughout the generations, and we've done it ourselves, um, we've bought and sold farms, we've leased farms, um, you know, to achieve different things. And we're right where we're at at the moment is we're just going to. Um, get the most out of what we've got we're going to we sort of think we're the farm that we're running is under yep. under utilized and i've actually just come back from a couple of weeks in new zealand and obviously a different setup smaller land space but they really can give us a lesson on how to how to utilize every inch of land you've got um it's 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 always good to uh, go and have a look at other people's production systems yeah i think that would be quite mind-blowing how they do it over there and one of the things i try to push is cross-sector learning whether you go to a dairy and see how they grow their grass because they need it a bit more than what we do more consistently um, and how that can put into breeders whatever sort of cattle or sheep you've got um, and how that can transpire onto your own farm um, what sort of outcomes or initiatives did you see that they're doing that we're not over here uh, well, like you say, mate, the dairy industry is massive over there and they get instant feedback as a dairy farm does. They get instant yeah. feedback, you know, daily feedback on management decisions uh, just based on their on their milk production and their protein levels and those sorts of things. So they, and, and I've always sort of thought that dairy farms are 15 years ahead of broadacre grazing farms because you know we're we're slow to adopt or they they they're at the sort of we're using i guess grazing techniques and pasture species that they've been using for 15 years because um you know we're we're probably working on a on a larger scale but uh and we don't but we also don't get the instant feedback that they get so we we just don't have that information at our fingertips to make those those good decisions um, but so as far as what I've learned from them is, yeah, we just need to, we need to get more out of the acres we've got. We're sort of underutilising our country. And, you know, I'm not talking about um, sort of overgrazing or anything. They, they definitely have a, they definitely look at their pastures and their grazing country through a different filter than we do. They're pretty comfortable with having short, short green pastures. Uh, and that's pretty forgiving over there with um, some of their climate, but um, they just don't have any. They don't have any country going to waste. You know, anything that's fenced off is either too steep to graze. It's down to some sort of forestry business, or it's a um, a, a waterway or something. Everything else is developed, and. Um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting, you know. It's not necessarily applicable to everywhere over here, but it's um, it's certainly good to have. That's I would say that they're one end of the spectrum, you know, and it's yep. good to see how they do it. And the top yep. end of Australia is probably close to the other end of the spectrum, you know. Yeah, I think 
um, to look at what these operations are doing is pretty important. And especially for the one man band or two, two workers on a farm, how we can sort of optimize over time. It doesn't happen overnight um, on the larger sort of scale farms. Um, but these quite sort of achievements can go a long way in to developing your own farm and optimizing it. Look, when it looks like you're on your way as well, coming in fifth generation and still going. Yeah, mate. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of um, the, a farm tour. You know, I love getting out and having a look at the way other people do things, even if it's just a simple way of how they, I don't know, how they do their end assemblies in a fence. Um, you know, you just get ideas. You just look at things through through other people's eyes and you go, shit, I, what, yeah, what have I been doing all this time? Yeah. Yeah, you, don't your own you see what the others are doing, um, but that's great stuff. Good to see how it's all running for other farmers and other farmers listening to this, actually getting a good rundown of how you run and how you operate. Um, and I think that liquidity, liquidity, the share market, having that um, available to you when the drought comes or a bit drier times are ahead for traders, you can actually destock a little bit and, give back to your land through that time and get you through the harder parts. It's a great one. Yeah, that was a big lesson. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, as everyone would probably tell you, you learn more in a drought than you do in a good season. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think now's a pretty good time for us within agriculture. The prices are good, plenty of grass around, um, but it's also a good time to plan for that next drought, put these sort of management decisions in play um, and, Maybe even have a think about your percentage-wise, 60-40, like you said you were, um, and it might play out to just have that plan in your back pocket rather than going, oh, shit, what do I do now? It's drought. Um, what can be done? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's still pretty fresh in everyone's mind. Um, even though we've had a couple of the best years anyone's going to experience, um, the 2019 was the worst anyone's ever experienced for us in this part of the world anyway. And so it's going to last with us. The lessons out of that are going to last with us for a, for a fair while yet. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we won't forget those in a hurry. Definitely. And before we mentioned a few buzzwords and one of those is ag tech data, how it can improve our productivity for yourself. What sort of ag tech has done for your farm and, what are you so excited about introducing ag tech and the continuing um, of using it for your family farm? Yeah. Okay, mate. So I came home at the end of 2000 um, after the Sydney Olympics, I left Sydney and came back to the farm. And at that point we were still using dumb phones. No one, smartphones hadn't been invented. Dumb phones. And, yeah. As far as, um, the last 20 years ago, I reckon smartphones have been the biggest um, game changer on farms. Yeah. Just simply because you're now walking around with a computer in your pocket, you know, an encyclopedia in your pocket, and um, you can access any sort of advice or, or whatever. So that, for me, that's been the biggest change in the last 20 years. But that's not, that's, the whole world's adopted those. Yeah. As far as on farm goes, what, that, what having a smartphone in our pocket has allowed us to do is, um, I guess, have 
some of these sort of farm software programs. So we use a farm management software program. Um, and I don't know if you want me to mention the names or whatever, but you know, we're a, we're a client of AgriWeb and um, that's been a fantastic thing for us. And I know you've, you've had the, the guys from AgriWeb on your podcast in the past. Yeah. Um, but at the time, what AgriWeb allows us to do, and it's probably the, well, it's something we use 50 times a day and on, on our farm. And there's myself and one other guy on this farm um, full time. And we, uh, we're looking at it and using it all day, every day. And it, I mean, it allows us to, uh, I guess, manage, manage our property, manage our, our physical assets, it manages livestock assets. It's, um, it's just keeps everything all in the one place. You got all the information there in your pocket. Um, and that then can tie into all these other um, sort of uh, farm requirements that you've got with regards to, um, you know, your, your NVDs, your uh, biosecurity sort of programs, all those things that link to AgriWeb. And again, they're just all sitting there in your pocket ready to go. The, the biggest issue with smartphones and that sort of technology for us um, is is connectivity. Whilst they work offline, um, they don't update. They don't talk to each other. They don't. Um, you know, you can't necessarily jump on the on the internet and look something up. Um, and where we've you know we've got good Wi-Fi around the house here, but we're in a we're in the dark ages. As soon as you step outside the house, you you sort of um, we've got no way of. Uh, contacting each other. Our, our country is a little bit too hilly um, for, you know, good handheld radios. It's, um, we don't get mobile reception over much of our farm, even though we're, we're only a hundred kilometres from the coast, we are still in a, you know, we're in a black spot. Um, uh, but so, yeah. The smartphone, obviously then I would say the three, there's three key pieces of ag tech that we use. AgriWeb as a software um, and a farm management program. The OptiWay, uh, which is the in-paddock weighing um, tool, which is, which is a fantastic thing and has allowed us, has just freed us, um, freed up so much time and allowed us to make some pretty powerful decisions. And then the third one is just some remote uh, monitoring, whether it's electric fencing uh, or water, having that information, um, you know, in your in your hand before you even get out of bed in the morning, you know what's going on out in the paddock, and um, that's that's just saves so much time, mate. It frees up so much time, and time is the most valuable currency that anyone's got. Yeah, I think there. If you look at those three, sort of runs all the way through your management decisions um, on farm. You've got AgriWeb doing your livestock management, um, even with the introduction of the biosecurity element and how that's playing out today and how that could be quite powerful for the farmer um, doing a little bit less work probably, but having their processes and protocols in place, um, whether in audits around the corner or just keeping up to date. I think that's pretty powerful. 
Um, yeah. And then leading into OptiWay for in paddock weighing and also the outside value, those decisions that come with that and your grass management strategies, um, how they may change and probably taking a leaflet out of the dairy industry of how you can look at your daily returns. You say through the increase or decrease of proteins, the dairy cows are going to need less or more supplements into their diet. Um, but also, do you think the OptiWay is it giving you that ability to do that as well? Because you can get your daily data fed back to yourself and you can make a decision off that, maybe more so for your trading enterprise as well? Yeah, that's exactly right, mate. That's exactly what it does. Like the dairy farmers are experts at... Um, grass budgeting and, and you know, they've got that instant feedback, that daily feedback through their, um, their milk analysis. And so the OptiWave gives us that same information in a beef grazing um, enterprise. So this management decisions we make today um, are reflected tomorrow. And you can see instantly what sort of impact you're having on the weight gains of those cattle and it mightn't be a decision you've made it might be the fact that it's bloody snowing in Gyra again and all your cattle are huddling up in the corner of the paddock sulking yeah well there's not much you can do about that but um you know that it's it's having an impact and you know how much of an impact and you might be able to do something about that um, move them into a warmer paddock but so yeah by we can have we can have powerful, I guess, information that can help us make decisions on genetics. Yep. Um, some animals are gaining better than other animals. Um, some breeds might be doing better, more suited to this country than others. Um, pasture species, fertilizer programs, um, supplements that we're providing, they all, you, you can get instant feedback. And so we've sort of been running trials We've got, we've got a Angus Wagyu um, sort of breeding program. So we're producing F1s for feedlots and whatnot. And they're, um, you know, uh, stereotypically hard to put weight on. And, but we can get instant. So we're trying lots of different things to, to maximise our weight gain. And that's through um, improved pasture species and supplements. Um, we can, you know, we can trial things like go, uh, let's, Let's put the OptiWay um, in the paddock with those F1 steers and we might just stick a, a particular lick in there and see if that's going to have an increase over the control mob that are in another paddock of exactly the same pasture or we might put some, a bale of straw in there with them and um, you just get instant feedback. You don't have to run them into the yards. Um, the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, Love that. a month down the track. Yeah. And the catalyst for us was in the recovery of the drought in 2019, early 2020, uh, or it might have been actually late 2020, when prices are sort of going up and up and up and, and everyone was looking for, um, I guess, the, the most cost-effective cattle to buy. And a few of us bought cattle out of Queensland that were boss indicus cattle that um we're not used to running and we weren't and you know but perhaps don't um aren't best suited to this environment and they we got a load of these heifers and they we sort of put them in a mob of um mix them in with a mob of angus heifers and it was a bit like oil and water for a week or so there they just um 
they didn't mix and it was a bit of a tourist attraction for the Angus cattle to watch these, um, these drought masters running around and around the paddock. And it was a hot day and the, the cattle sort of, the Angus cattle chased them around for half a lap and then they just went and sat under a tree. And, and um, But we had to get those, those boss indicus ones in and out of the yards a bunch of times um, because, you know, we, it was a trade and we were trying to sell them um, and we had to draft them out. We had to check what their weights were. We then assessed them on auctions plus and it was the same with our Angus cattle. It, it made no difference really, but, but we had them in and out of the yards three or four times within a couple of weeks. And by the, by the fourth time, they were all just, they just had a gut for it. And they, they were going backwards and um, there just had to be a better way. Um, and that was what made me just bite the bullet and go, yeah, this is, this is a no brainer now. I, I would have, it would have paid for itself nearly in that, um, that one transaction by having an Opti way out in the paddock. Yeah, definitely. And it, you probably, farmers have gotten pretty good at keeping an eye on their cattle to see if they're losing weight, but, you are guesstimating at what weight they are. Um, and when you're getting down to the kilo with the OptiWay machine and the algorithm that they're running is pretty phenomenal when it's saving a trip out into the paddock just to see what they what you think they're doing um, and also what they are doing if you were to walk them into the paddock. Um, when they're ready to go to the market, you would think, um, and then maybe, I don't know, you might send them in and they're a bit underweight to what you wanted them, but they've already been in the yards and you just have, you've ordered the truck or whatever. Um, yeah. Sort of decisions come off the back of it. I think they're crucial to driving those one percenters sustainability for farmers and aligning that with profitability as well. I think so, mate. It's a, um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a free, a free win to be able to make those decisions to forecast um, how many heads you're going to have ready when, because you know how they're tracking in the paddock. Um, you can lock cattle in early. You can take advantage of prices. You can, um, you know, you can get creative with your marketing and that's um, you've got to have the information at your fingertips to be able to do that. Um, which is great, but also like, yeah, most good farm managers will have an idea of how their cattle are tracking that with just by eyeballing them, but you just don't get, you don't pick up that, that little, um, those subtle differences. Like if you add a different lick, has that, has they, have they gone from a kilo a day to a kilo and a half a day or, yep. you know, a kilo and a half to 1.7, who knows? And all that, you know, if you can turn them off a month earlier, at the end of the day, it's um, it's just a win-win, and um, I reckon the the Optiway pays for itself quick smart in that regard. Um, I think with that, the data can't lie. And over the long term, how long have you actually had your Optiway, mate? I've only had mine since October of twenty twenty-one, so less than twelve months. Yeah, so. For less than 12 months, you've made a fair few management decisions off the back of it. What sort of improved outcomes have you had for yourself um, on farm, whether it's grass management or sending them at the right weight? How's that worked for you? Uh, well, it's certainly been a time-saving device. So ordinarily, I, I like to know how, um, how we're tracking and, you know, I can't help myself. I get them in through the yards 
every six weeks or something and just want to know if they're doing well. Don't have to now. I can sit here having a cup of coffee and um, and know and know what they're doing. But um, additionally, it's it's definitely allowed us to so that we've had it basically for one growing season. Our our winters are our limiting factor uh, here in the New England. So. But we got to make hay in the summer when we're we don't get hot like like sort of anywhere west of us. But we get we get we're warm and we're wet and we grow um, we grow grass like the snow tomorrow uh, in the middle of summer. And so we're trying to make the most of that and having these improved pastures and being able to monitor what cattle are doing on those improved pastures versus when you move them off those improved pastures. Straight away, you just get instant feedback that um, makes that decision to improve pastures either yes or no, you know, because it's um, it's black and white right there in front of you, and you don't, and you've got it instantly, I guess, and you get and you get trend lines. Yeah, I think like once you have it for a few years, few more years, you'll start to see that consistency play out. Um, everyone sort of. Um, yells about ag tech saying that it's not really worth it um, when the expense is there. But over the three years, those trends that you'll see, the data is going to be more consistent than your eyeballing of the cattle um, out in the paddock. And also those rainy days, you don't want to be in the yards weighing them out anyway. No, I agree. And I, I'm, um, you know, I'm going to have to ring Bill Mitchell at OptiWay and, and just see, get get myself on the uh, get some sponsorship because I I just spruik it wherever I go because <laughs> I reckon say so if you've got a mob of a hundred steers and if you've got to get them through the yard so they're not putting on that weight for the day that you're processing them there's also the the setback that they're experiencing from the stress of having to run through the yards and being handled and whatever else and who, who knows what they could be five ten 10 kilos, you know, it might be a week, might be two weeks worth of uh, growth every time you get them through the yards. And if they're doing a kilo a day and you're setting them back a week, that's seven kilos, two weeks, 14 kilos at feeder rates at the moment, you know, that could be 40 to hundred dollars a head across a mob of however many, you know, it doesn't take long. If you can just save one event, one you, you don't have to get them through the yard one time because you've got the OptiWay in the paddock, you've you've gone a long way to, to paying for itself. Um, yeah, certainly making I've, money and know. also saving money um, both in labour, time, time management as farmers, we're all pretty poor and we want to be able to improve this in every realm, every aspect um, of it. And... We can't dial down everywhere, but little bits at a time. And I think this OptiWay in paddock weighing is going a long way um, to be doing that for farmers and especially you guys up in the New England area. Yeah, mate, I love it. And like you say, it saves time and time's the most valuable thing we've got and it frees you up. You know, weighing cattle is a, I, I would, you know, I like to say weighing cattle is a $10 an hour job. We need to be focusing on the $100 an hour jobs and, OptiWay, those sorts of technologies um, just free your time up to to do those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely, I love that. Um, for just my own curiosity, what sort of pastures have you put in up there to 
improve your cattle um, and the sustainability of each paddock, your grass management? Yeah, mate. So we've got a bit of a program where we're going into a sort of country that hasn't been improved uh, at all to country that was improved by my great great grandfather in the 1940s, you know, with a, a horse and cart and was put in a um, an old species of coxfoot. But we're sort of got a bit of a program where we're doing those up. We're using ryegrass, these sort of high performance ryegrasses that just nothing seems to be able to match them for uh, quality and quantity. Yep. Um, and so we're sort of doing a cleanup phase of a year or two years of that, and they just carry the house down. They have massive um, carrying capacity. And then we're going into a long, a longer term pasture, which is a fescue based with coxfoots and bromes and um, a few clovers and 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 herbs and spices, just to try and get a, a bit of a multi species mix in there longer term. Um, and then we move on to sort of uh, other paddocks. So, yeah, depending on the on the on the situation on the paddock, the individual paddock, it might be a two year program, it might be a three year program before we sort of move on to um, other areas of the farm. Yeah, I think for ourselves as a family farm, we're in quite the same sort of scenario. We had probably twenty years ago, um, plan and summer. Now we're improving that, and also these virgin paddocks that have had no pasture improvement at all we're looking to optimize what we're doing in paddock and i think it's always interesting to see what different areas are doing what they're putting in and how it can help their own sort of production um on farm yep and i love the idea of um having something photosynthesizing all year round so if you've got if a plant is photosynthesizing if it's green and growing it's you know pumping the root exudates into the soil. It's um, sustaining the uh, the bio you know the the bio the biological um, population under the ground. And I just think that it's um it's a it's a goal that we're going for anyway to try and just maintain something photosynthesizing all year round. So that that basically comes down to a bit of um, grazing management as well as pasture yep. improvement. Yeah, exactly. And it leads into what you said before, mentioned it, carbon farming, whether you go down that route, um, it's only going to be improving what you're doing to your soils and how you're storing carbon for yourself without measuring it as well. But also once you do start to collect some data on that very interesting part of the world. Yep, that's right. Early days in that regard, mate. But, um, and I think it's still got a fair way to go before it's all sort of, settled and finalized as far as legislation and um you know it is it's um it's ever evolving and so we're just going along for the ride and um you know there's lots of people around us that are doing it lots of people uh in this neck of the woods that are, are getting involved and and we'll you know we're going to keep in touch and just see what's working and what's not working and Exactly. Um, we, we've mentioned a fair few things in here, but how they all work together um, is probably the important thing and how that integration probably more so in the future of how farmers are going to start to put the dots together with their ag tech um, and how that can lead to 
following on to selling in the carbon markets or not keeping your credits or something like that, um, you can't actually do anything without data in your hands. Um, and those with the contracts for the, your cattle, um, your steers going to market, that's going to be quite important in the future. You're only 12 months in less than. So in a few years, you'll be getting more value, seeing a better trend line um, and making those decisions off the back of that, I think are going to be very important. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, it is only early days for us and for the whole sort of uh, carbon game, but um, the, the potential is, is massive. And as you say, like if you're marketing cattle under a carbon neutral, carbon negative brand, or you've got to, you've got to be on top of all those things. And, and ag tech is, is just going to get more and more prominent uh, in, in the way people manage their farms, particularly as younger generations come through and are, and are growing up with this technology, as yep. opposed to, I think, I think I heard one of your previous uh, podcast guests say that the average age of, of the farmer, of a farmer in Australia is close to 60, um, which makes me a young farmer, but I'm, I'm fast approaching average. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, the, um, yeah, as the younger generation comes through that are developing this technology and are growing up with it, it's just going to be second nature. And, and, and I reckon agriculture in Australia is just going to get more and more productive and efficient as a result of people's uptake of ag tech. Um, and as the younger generation comes in and, and basically um, sort of moves into these roles it's um it's a fantastic thing i reckon yeah i think so too i think we're a bit on that bumpy road um one step backwards one step forwards and seeing what works and what doesn't for each farmer and as that next generation comes maybe your sixth generation your kids um will be those absolutely championing ag tech on the farm and seeing how it can really take place maybe in 50 50 years, we won't be calling it ag tech or something. We'll be doing something completely different, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, who, who knows, mate? It, I think the great thing about farming also is that it's a, um, I, I sort of always used to say that when my grandfather was on this place, it, it was a lifestyle, you know, you chose to be a farmer for a lifestyle. Um, now it's very much more business focused and business oriented, but you can't lose sight of the, of the lifestyle and, um, because it is a fantastic lifestyle and it's a fantastic place for kids to grow up. And I reckon, um, yeah, I just hope we don't, I hope we can maintain that balance of um, lifestyle and, and business uh, on, in, on the family farm. Yeah, definitely. And I think the family farm plays a huge part in Australian agriculture, um, but you probably can't have that lifestyle that you want without having your business acumen in place and everything that's going yeah. on. Um, and everything, everyone's seeing it more important as it comes along. So try to get, I've got about 10% of the industry um, tuning in every now and then, but trying to find those other 90% of the farmers are the ones that I want to get on board and have a listen to see what the ideas of what you've got, Simon, and what others have with the podcast as well. But tell me for yourself, what other sort of, how would you tell other farmers to look about adopting OptiWay or different ag techs that might suit their own operation? Um, 
I guess what was your hump that you got over and you're like, wow, that like that's really good. Um, I will like you'll put some money up front and see how it goes. Yeah, mate. For me, uh, I I reckon it's a bit of a crowded marketplace out there, and there's lots of people doing different things, and and you do have to be a little bit. Um, I guess you could get you could really get carried away for not much benefit. But there's but if so for for me personally, I was I was wanting you know I was keeping all my records in a in a pocketbook in my top pocket. And whilst that was good for, I could keep numbers, uh, how many head I had on hand or on the farm, yep. I, I was then getting to the point where I wanted to know, but how many, you know, DSCs per hectare has this paddock carried in the last 12 months? And you just, there's no way you can, you can access that information in your pocketbook. No. And so I sort of started transferring it into a spreadsheet and going, right, now I want to keep track of this, uh, of the carrying capacity of each paddock. So at the end of 12 months, I know which paddocks are doing the best, which are, you know, aren't pulling their weight, which ones I need to focus on as far as improving, or I, how do I better tailor my fertiliser dollar um, the paddocks that have carried the most and you know, put the most back in, that sort of thing. And so I was mucking around with that. And that was just a... And so I would say for people that are looking at... Um, uh, you know, ag tech, it, it address the biggest issue on your farm, address the, address the biggest, I guess, um, blank space on your farm or the biggest issue you have, because there's guaranteed to be some sort of technological, technological improvement out there that can help you. Um, so for me, that was my, that was the catalyst for me to getting involved in AgriWeb. And at the time, it was very early days of AgriWeb Maya grazing, those guys were just getting started up. AgriWeb just happened to be pretty much the first cab off the rank that was available on a smartphone, you know, in the app form. And um, so I jumped on board and it, and it answered a heap of my problems overnight. Um, it just gave me so much more information, excuse me, um, that I could make. I could make decisions with straight away. Yes. Uh, so that's, I, I would suggest that, yeah, but anybody's business, um, it would be to just address those sort of, those, those blank, those blank patches where you just don't know what you don't know, I guess, because, um, the information's not there, whether it's, whether it's, uh, a time thing, like on a broad acre, broad scale thing, those water monitoring, remote monitoring of um, electric fences, all those sorts of things. They just um, save you so much time and provide you with instant information that you can make decisions with. And it's uh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think as farmers, we make so many decisions a day, a week, a year. Um, and if we can make a few less of those and focus on something a little bit bigger, um, that will go a long way in the rollout of what the three technologies you're using on farm and from in paddock weighing to in the office um, and also monitoring using your smartphones, no longer using the dumb phones of yesterday and getting into the no. smartphones. 
Yeah, that's right. And free up your time. Like what's taking you the most time? Um, work out a way to short, to, you know, take those shortcuts. And um, there's, there's bound to be somebody out there that's already doing it uh, and can give you a, a review on what they're doing or give you the lessons that they've learned. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a pretty big farming community in Australia and, and worldwide that we've got access to nowadays. And you can, um, yeah, there's a lot of experience out there. Yeah, certainly. We are very connected in how we pass that on as well. But talking on that, what would be your one piece of farms advice you'd like to pass on to other producers out there? Mate, I, I sort of think of this as if I'm passing advice onto my son or my daughters who they might uh, come back and get involved in our business. Yep. And I think it is um, having a mentor, having someone who you can basically uh, ask all the dumb questions um, all the smart questions. Quite often you go to these sort of, I, I know I was in a situation where I'd go to a course or a field day. I'd have a heap of questions, but I didn't want to ask them because I didn't want to be the dumb one, the dumb one that was going to ask that really obvious question. If you got someone trusted, because the way I learn best is by talking and experiencing with other people and seeing it firsthand. If you've got someone you trust, I would, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Find a mentor that can um, help you on your journey. That's and, a good um, one. I don't think we've had that one before, so real good. And probably I just think it, yeah. It's a real shortcut. You are telling your children, your sons, your daughters, is probably the best way to do it because it's a bit more personal touch onto it, and you're not just sort of blanketing the industry. Talk it like you would to your children coming back to the farm as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think as older generation, there's just a you know, regardless of whether you're your own children, you want to foster younger generations coming through in this industry because um, they can offer a lot to us as well as we offer a lot to them, you know. Certainly. They've got the energy and they've got the drive. The Absolutely. Lacking. It's, it sounds like you've got some good energy there as well. For anyone out there looking to see what you get up to, your energy about, ag tech that early adoption and also producing the best up in new england can people contact you or watch you through social media do you have any handles there yeah mate we've we've got a we've got a uh profile on facebook and instagram that we update sporadically but yep. um that's a that's a great way for us for people to get in touch with us yeah i think uh, that's is it is a great way and also more farmers are looking to showcase their own story on there. So perfect. I'll put them in the show notes. I will track you down and put you in. Yep. Cool. Thanks very much. Well, Simon, thanks for coming on to the Farms Wise podcast and sharing a bit of your own expertise with AgTech, OptiWay and the other AgTech companies you're dealing with. Um, and just great casual conversation to see. And I think farmers really love these sort of conversations. Um, it helps them out in their own operation back home. Yes, thanks, Jack. I think um, I've enjoyed talking to you and I think it's a great thing that you're doing, just getting people's stories out there. And, um, you know, as you say, uh, there's a lot of, uh, 
there's a lot of experience out there and a lot of stories to be told and, and we can all benefit from it. Only scratching the surface at the moment. Beautiful. Simon, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice Podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.